Welcome to episode two of the Hail Married podcast. I'm A. Tobes, and I'm joined by my husband, the Tobes. We're going to make some hot takes on what we're seeing, as well as throw some Hail Mary shots downfield for listeners to love or hate. As usual, we're going to have some fun discussing the UTSA Roadrunner football, as well as some of our other favorite college teams. So let's get started. UTSA comes off another tough loss against a challenging opponent, the Army Black Knights. Going into the game, UTSA knew that they'd need to be disciplined, play cleanly, and execute well. While the defense played admirably, they had a few missed assignments that led to Army scores. The offense had some great moments, but struggled to get into a consistent rhythm, and special teams didn't quite play up to the level we've come to expect. All in all, the, triple, the Army's triple option offense proved to be too much for UTSA, with UTSA falling 28-16. Even with the loss, Let's mention some of the highlights. On the offensive side of the ball, Lowell Narcisse made his first and likely only start of the season, completing 16 passes for 155 yards, rushing 47 yards, and scoring a touchdown before going out with what appears to be a season-ending injury in the fourth quarter. Zachary Franklin had 12 receptions for 138 yards, setting a program record for receptions in a game, beating the former record held by Greg Campbell Jr. Sincere McCormick again rushed for over 100 yards, racking up 133 yards this game. On the defensive side of the ball, Kalechi Inwachuku had 16 tackles with nine solo tackles, which ranks second in Conference USA tackles for a game this season. And finally, on special teams, Hunter the Hulk Duplessis continues his streak at 21 field goals. So, what were your observations for the game? So, you know, once we looked at it, I, I think underestimating Army is, is a big thing to do. Um, they're a smaller team. You know, they've, they've got some kids that are maybe like, especially the quarterbacks, five, six, maybe. And they're, again, maybe 145 pounds soaking wet. Uh, and they kind of lure you into this thought that uh, these guys are nothing. You know, these guys, we can take them. We're, we're this, you know, we're the other team. So we can come in and we can do whatever against Army. But Army is disciplined. And we heard all week from Trailer and from other, you know, podcasts that, you know, the team had to be disciplined, that this team is very disciplined. So we really needed to be efficient on offense and, um, you know, really make sure that we made plays when we needed to. Because uh, Army, because they shrink the game, they make almost every single possession that much that important. It, and they said on the uh, broadcast, actually, that it's almost like an NFL game because you have to soak everything out of that possession, squeeze it, make sure you get as many yards, and try to get points off of it. So, um, you know, I get that other teams don't run the, this type of offense that Army does. It's just all about discipline, and that's how they really wear you down. I mean, when it comes down to – um, their offense on defense, you have got to stay focused. Right. And the problem is, is that a team like UTSA does not stay focused for the entire game. And frankly, a lot of the teams that they do play don't stay focused the entire game either. I mean, it's easy to kind of, you know, we all fall into those mental lapses too. Um, so to really see them you know, really hanging, hang in there. Yeah, it was good, but um, you know, it's, it's army. I mean, they're they're going to make make you suffer when you do make those mistakes. And I don't really think that they really ran any sort of weird plays. Um, I think it was this really small playbook 
but they run it so well that it's, you know, there's not much you can do. I will say though that I thought it was weird that they did come out, and it was really I think only the first drive of the, their offensive drive of the game where they came out with like three wide receivers, uh, and we didn't really see that the rest of the game. We saw mostly just uh, two wide receivers or even no wide receivers just coming in tight. So they did give a different look to UTSA, but again, you have to stay disciplined. They're going to run the option. You need to be able to do that. So uh, that was one of my first observations. I don't know if you felt like some of the same things uh, coming out of that as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you talk about the discipline of army and, you know, people forget these are, guys that are going to be soldiers. They have a different level of discipline. You know, this isn't, you know, just discipline for a game for them. I mean, this is the discipline that they're gonna have in their life, in their career. And so it's just a different level, you know, that and the fact that the triple option isn't really played by anyone else. Um, So, you know, you prepare for this game, but you have to prepare differently for this game and this game alone because you're not going to see that same type of offense run by anyone in Conference USA. Um, and, you know, we heard the coaches talk about the fact that typically, you know, you're going to prepare for this game either, you know, in spring ball and summer ball, you know, so that it doesn't seem so different um, when you actually get to the game. You know, but obviously this year we didn't have that type of preparation. You know, we were lucky that we got to play Army last year. So we had a couple of guys that had seen this type of offense before. But I don't think anything fully prepares you for an offensive scheme that's just so different than what, you know, you're typically going to see throughout the season. And we run a, a type of option offense with the, the zone read, but it's really only two options. You're either going to give it to the running back. So, you know, Frank Harris and Sincere McCormick are back there. They're going to wait to see what the defensive end does. And they're either, if he crashes in, Frank's going to take it and go. With the triple option, they are reading everything. They're reading to see whether, you know, what's in front of them, whether they should give it to the fullback or they just go out with the running back. And so it, it does, again, it, it is a much more complex. It's um, There's a lot of minutia to it. But, uh, you know, what it really comes down to is when you play Army, um, you have to take advantage of any opportunities you get. And unfortunately, it didn't seem like we really created many of those opportunities for ourselves. And if we did or had the opportunity to maybe break a play or something, unfortunately, we weren't disciplined enough to either make the catch or look around and see open receivers, uh, which we'll probably get to a little bit more later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was really the first thing, I think, uh, the biggest thing. Um, hanging in there against this team is just, it's, it's tough. Oklahoma struggled against them. Michigan struggled against them last year. You know, they went to overtime. So, yeah, it, it's not just a UTSA problem. And I think just fans overestimate that. Kind of like you mentioned, it's all about discipline for these guys. But fans also look down at the teams and they start measuring them up and saying, we look bigger than them. We, we can beat these guys. We don't, we don't really need to play that, t- you know. Yeah. We don't really need to play that hard. If you look at, at their roster and the heights – you know, their players, they don't have that many players that are over six feet tall, or if they are, they're like right at six feet tall, you know, and then you look at our roster and you see all of these guys that are much taller, um, bigger guys. So you expect um, something different, but you, you know, again, overlook the fact that they have a different level of discipline than any other team you're going to see. Yeah. And I'm, it also recalls to me, and I, 
kind of brought it to you before we got on uh, started recording was it reminds me of the Spurs. The Spurs and Greg Popovich, ironically, he's the military. Um, you know, they soak everything out of possession. They do everything they can to make sure they get at least, you know, a point, whatever. So that's how Army approaches everything too. And, you know, that's how they get you. They they lull you into into making mistakes. Unfortunately, um, you know, you could be the most disciplined team. You could be Clemson, you could play, you know, like I mentioned before, some of these other bigger teams. It, it doesn't matter, you know, one lapse and they're past you. And again, like you said, there's, there's short guys and they don't seem fast, but man, they're quick. Once they get that ball yep. in the open space, they're gone. And we saw it yesterday a couple of times. And unfortunately, you know, it was to our judgment. So, um, you know, if we really want to talk about, you know, the, the sides, each side of the ball, I think on offense with Lowell, we knew we were going to be more methodical. Um, but we just weren't efficient. You know, I already kind of mentioned, you know, we just didn't have that efficiency. He started off kind of rough. It looked like the Lowell of old, which was weird, coming off of two weeks where he comes off the bench and he looks like a different player. Mm-hmm. Um, he still had sort of the happy feet where he's not really setting himself down. He seems like he's just – he's trying to force plays instead of letting the game come to him. Now, he did settle down, and I think we kind of got a glimpse of what maybe he could be with him. Um, but I, I just unfortunately think that, um, that, that injury is just going to set him back a little bit more. And it's unfortunate because again, he seemed to have a really good, uh, hookup with Zakari. Like yeah. they were, he was really, and I, honestly, I, I want to go back and I think, I didn't really research this, but I think that he, and Zakari, he really looks for him every single time. Yeah. Um, and you see as Zakari has come into the season, he's getting more receptions, but it's because Lowell's back there. It's not because of Frank or it's because of JoJo or anything. Yeah, he seemed to target Zakari more than, than Josh Cephas. Which was opposite of what Frank Frank was. I mean, I get that Zakari wasn't there in the first, I think, game or two. Um, but Frank seems to just prefer Josh. He seems locked in on Josh, and then he seems locked in on Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then S- Sincere or even Brendan Brady coming out of the back, backfield. Uh, he keeps it pretty short. So... That really goes to my second thing um, that I felt about the offense. You know, I, I think that even though um, we didn't run the ball as much, um, the coaching staff had to have seen something that, that we obviously can't see. We're not privy to it. We just look at the game and we think we should be running the ball. We should be doing this. We have the nation's leading rusher. This is mm-hmm. We should be doing this. It doesn't mean anything if your offensive line doesn't really hold up. Um, but I thought they held up well. I think. You know, Maka had a really good game. Um, again, I just – and I'm not really just a guy that's just going to look at the offensive line, but um, with this team, it just feels like, you know, Maka's making some really good reads at the line. And there was – it just felt like the line was dropping, like, just about every single – every other play. Um, you know, we had a guy on there I didn't even know was on our team, Almares, that came in at right tackle for Otis. And I was like, I don't even know who it is. I had to start – you know, looking up during the game. So um, it, the fact that they were still able to maintain some protection, um, you know, w- was good, though I think we really miss Brendan Brady. I, I don't know when he's coming back, and I hope it's soon because um, there was some times when, when Sincere, he still needs to work on that pass blocking. Um, the defensive tackle would slide and would essentially go from Maka's side over to Kevin Davis's side. And they had him handled, but then Sincere would go in there and essentially, you know, try to help Chip. 
But then you have like a linebacker, somebody or a defensive end coming around, and that's Sincere's job is to not is to make sure that nobody comes up the middle. And it happened a few times, and unfortunately, Lowell wasn't able to to get to that. So um, I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on the line or I mean, anything? Well, I was going to mention on um, Brendan Brady. It seems like he's probably getting pretty close to returning. Um, they said he was, you know, participating in practice, um, but then was on the sideline, and I think someone had said he didn't have pads on. So, you know, it sounds like maybe, you know, he got close, he went through the practice reps, and then they, you know, had game time decision that he wasn't going to play. So hopefully that um, indicates that as we get back into our conference schedule in the next game or two, he'll be back in the lineup again. And we'll need him, I think, for the for the quarterback's sake, too. You know, we, we don't want our, our quarterbacks, you know, taking any more injuries. Um, but with, talking about the quarterbacks again, I do have to kind of mention Frank Harris here. Um you have to talk about him not playing well at the to end the game. Um, and, and I get that that's going to be sort of, well, you know, he's kind of coming into the game. But we praised Lowell the last two games for coming in and playing well and leading the offense down the field, you know, for touchdown drives. So we have to be able to to at least compare the two. He did throw a touchdown pass in the very first play that he to came Franklin. in for. To Franklin, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, was, which was weird. I was like, well, wait a second, that's not Cephas. <laughs> um, but – uh, you know, I think that we saw on his drives, he just, he was throwing short and there was no reason to throw short at times. Um, I get that you have to be careful with the ball, but again, Army is giving you an opportunity there to take advantage of something and he just wouldn't see it. And I, you know, I, I still think that his passing is just not up to the, um, FBS level. Um, I, I think he needs to improve his vision because, dropping off to sincere or dropping off to Watson on cross or sharp. It's just not going to do it. It may have done it against Texas state, but I mean, really let's look back at how he has performed against FBS teams. The two games that he is really wowed at actually, I would say three have been against last year was UIW FCS team this year, SFA FCS team and also Texas state. Yeah, I guess they're an FBS team, but you could also make a case that they kind of like an FCS team because they're just not very good. Um, but but still, I, I just think that he has a lot of improvements to do, and the fact that you know he's back at starting at quarterback means that he's going to have to develop these traits. And I know that Lunny is going to probably just hit him hard with "you're going to have to throw down the field" because um, if you don't, then it's just going to limit his effectiveness. Um, and also the offense, because he just can't outrun all these FBS linebackers and, you know, some of the secondary. He can't do it. And it's not because he's not a great athlete, because he is. I mean, he would definitely outrun me, but I'm not an FBS linebacker. I'm not a guy that's going to be chasing him. So, you know, if you really think about it, what are you going to do, Frank? You know, you're going to have to add more to your game. I don't know what you thought about Frank, Frank's yeah. performance. I mean, I was going to talk about this later on, but since we're on the topic, I mean, you know, I didn't think we'd have to say this, but the fourth game in a row, the Roadrunners, you know, lose their starting quarterback um, to an injury. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about Frank last podcast and kind of our thoughts on moving off of him to Narcisse. Now, you know, it looks like Narcisse is going to be out for the season. Um, trailer this morning sent a tweet out and indicated in it that there were four quarterbacks down, um, which means – Something happened to JoJo. Um, apparently, JoJo wasn't at the game yesterday, so um, not sure if that's related to an injury or if he was one of the kids impacted by either COVID or um, 
the contact tracing, but, you know, um, we went from having um, a really strong quarterback room to now it's going to be Frank, um, especially if JoJo is out and we don't really know, you know, is that short term, is that long term? You know, the question then becomes if something happens to Frank, where do we go from here? I mean, what does the depth chart look like? I mean, is next week's uh, backup quarterback Sudden Sapien or Zach Rangel or, you know, are we pulling somebody out of the stands? You know, what does that look like? Uh, because I think if I'm uh, Coach Trailer or, or Barry Lenny right now, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm starting Frank against La Tech next week, Given his history, I've got a high probability that I'm going to need to go to my backup. And what does that look like? Who am I preparing? Um, and and if Frank makes it through next, you know, next game, great. But you know, can we see Frank through the rest of the season? And I I don't know that we can. So you know, what are we going to do until we get Adkins back? And that's not going to be until probably the second to last game of the year, if even then. Yeah, that gets difficult because, uh, you know, like you said, what are we getting to now? We're, we're getting into the guys that we thought either we might see on spot duty just because either it's a blowout and we just threw them in there just to get tackled by the other team's third or fourth, you know, string defensive tackles and defensive ends. Um, you know, I don't know. Frank, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't know what Frank's going to do. I mean, I think he has to – this is his chance to develop his passing. Yeah, he's got to work on his um, down the field passing because um, that is just the area that he is not comfortable with um, for whatever reason. And that's the thing that he's going to have to improve so that he stays in the pocket longer um, and avoids, you know, potentially some other injury. Um, you know, he can't make every game with his legs because if he does run, he risks the fact that he's going to get hit. He's going to get injured. So you know that Lenny and Trailer are not going to want him to extend plays too often with his legs. They're going to want to try to focus on keeping him in the pocket. But he's going to have to recognize his opportunities to throw downfield instead of trying to take all these short passes, which, you know, yeah, you may make the completion, but you may not get enough yardage to go anywhere. Um you know, they're not they're not the passes that are going to help us win the game in the conference play. Yeah, and absolutely. And I, and I think just, just to add up just one more thing to that is um, where do we go from here? I I think Frank, you know, hopefully learns to uh, on that passing. Um, you know, Lonnie mentioned it before. Um, but I think more than anything, um, hopefully he learns that, you know, sliding and getting out of bounds if he does need to scramble, uh, is, is his, uh, is going to be his friend because if he doesn't, then I, I think we're stuck again. You know, we go back to what we were talking about last week and you already mentioned it, you know, we were going to move off, you know, we thought the two of us thought, it, let's move off of Frank, let's go to Luell. And the thing with Luell was again, he's a sturdy kid. He could take some hits. He took a couple hits yesterday. Um, more than anything, you saw that arm. You know, he was throwing from across the field. And mm -hmm. sometimes you don't make those throws, but he has such a strong arm that he can make those throws. And he was he showed a lot of accuracy yesterday at times that 
I was really impressed with. Again, yeah. showing that improvement. Compared from, to 2019. Correct. Yeah. From, you know, just showing that he has improved some and that he, he can take the keys if needed for, quote unquote, the Roadrunner franchise. Um, I don't know. Hopefully we learn a little bit more about Harris. I think, you know, again, he can't make the throws that Lowell does. So there's going to have to be some sort of emphasis on yeah. what are the throws he can make and let's get let's get to them. Well, and, and hopefully whatever is impacted JoJo is not something that's going to be long term. I mean, hopefully it's, you know, just that he's out for contact tracing. He doesn't get sick and he can be <laughs> back quickly. Um, but, you know, we really we really don't know yet. So uh, hopefully we'll have some indication. Uh, later this week about what's going on with Jojo. Yeah, I hope so. I uh, hope he's, hope he's all right. Um, with that, we can talk about the defense a little bit. Um, you know, again, I, I, I think there's been a lot of people, t- you know, tweeting about it. So you, if you, you're on Twitter and you kind of see some of the UTSA fan um, reactions, it's pretty much what you thought it was. Again, the, the linebackers just weren't really seeing the backfield. So they got kind of swept up in blocks. Defensive line continued to play well. Um, and, and this is, they were pushed around early, but they came back, made some adjustments. Honestly, I didn't know what it was, but they just looked like they were beginning to dominate that army offensive line, which again, you kind of feel that we're gaining confidence and gaining confidence, but then army always breaks you with some big play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with some of these runs that they had, it was linebackers just not getting there. In other cases, it was a secondary, just not not helping out and backing up the linebackers. But I do have to say that Antonio Parks had a really good game. Um, I, I thought that early in the season, he was such a liability. He just, felt like he just was not seeing the field. Right. I thought it was maybe the defense, defensive alignment, just how things are going. I, I, I don't think that that's what it was. I think that he was just really struggling with seeing the field and knowing where to be at. Uh, but to see his progress from, I would say, Middle Tennessee to now, phenomenal. It's something that we didn't see at all during the Wilson era, where we would see a, you know a player who's really not playing too well, and then all of a sudden really making an impact in the game, like three games later. That just didn't happen under Wilson. Um, it really didn't happen under Coker either. So you know, I think this is where you kind of start talking. You know, we could, we're going to talk a little bit later on about Trailer and what he's doing, but. Um, that was a really good sign for us, as well as Ken Robinson made his first start as a cornerback. Just played really well in terms of his closing speed is just good. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about him later. But again, uh, Tariq wasn't there or they took him out, whatever it was. I mean, he did have that club on his hands. So who knows? Maybe he re-injured or they just didn't want to play him against this physical player uh, team. Sorry. Um, but you know, whatever Ken Robinson came in, and he's really going to help out. With, you know, with more of the spread teams, if we can have three good cornerbacks and Corey Mayfield again playing really well, we're in a really good spot. Right. So, all right. So, what did we learn from the game? Well, I, I think there's two things that we learned, um, at least that I saw, um, and hopefully you agree as well. First thing is that trailer, trailer and the coaching staff are, are working some magic. I mean, whether it's COVID or the injuries, um, they're really doing a good job of whoever they have. They're finding ways to either create a scheme or uh, they just coach them up to be able to perform well on Saturdays. I mean, honestly, you kind of look at practice and it's really sort of in terms of a college semester, 
it's like the quizzes and the lectures that you're getting. And then you get to the games and that's your exam. You're going to show, I learned what I, I learned from this week and now I'm going to put it into practice. Um, and I just think that trailer, you know, again, I don't know what is, what it's going to be like, um, you know, in terms of his coaching legacy at UTSA, but there clearly is a difference here um, between the last, you know, for Coker and from Wilson. Uh, and, and I think that we're starting to see that is that he's developing guys. I think with all of his, I'd say his, his connection throughout Texas, he's going to find other good teachers to bring in should he lose anybody. But mm-hmm. um, outside of, you know, if you want to criticize the play calling, go ahead. I, I'm not going to do it. I haven't seen issues. I get we can be nitpicky about it, but mm-hmm. Again, whatever they have, they're trying to do the best they can to put these guys into the, the best uh, possible place. Now, that said, we I just said he's they were some magic despite COVID and injuries. So I think this is the biggest thing that we have learned to this point, and that's playing 12 straight games without a bye week is a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know at the beginning of the season we were – really excited about getting to schedule 12 games, particularly with, you know, the cancellations that we were facing. And I'm sure that the thought was one or more of these games would get canceled. Um, So Trailer probably was thinking the probability of playing 12 straight games was, you know, pretty, pretty low. But now it looks like you know, I mean, obviously something could still happen. Someone could still cancel. We see, you know, games getting postponed every week, but there's a pretty high probability now that we're at the halfway point that we are going to play 12 straight games. And with no bye week, um, I think that's really going to hurt the team. I mean, you see just the wear and tear on this group, the injuries, um, Fortunately, we're not seeing a lot of COVID cases in addition to the injuries because um, that would really be devastating right now. But just given the amount of injuries and the types of injuries we've had, um, you know, the team's pretty, pretty banged up. And um, I think it's going to be incredibly tough for them to finish out the year in the way that they could have if they were as healthy as they were at the beginning of the season. Totally agree. And I, I think, you know, I was going to tweet this out, but, um, and, and it's funny yet almost serious at the same time. It's like, we should get you to say alumni to just tweet out, hey, get ready to potentially play because there's just, we, we're going to see who's got uh, some eligibility left because really you're just seeing these guys just drop. And, you know, playing a few games in a row, row is just tough in itself. But six in a row has already started to wear on them physically, but also mentally. And when it starts going really wearing at you mentally, you start getting a little lazier. You start getting complacent saying, I really don't have the energy to be able to play at the level that I played against BYU here against Army. And you started seeing some of it. Um, And it was unfortunate, but, uh, you know, I think that's where we come back to the G5 level. You just don't have that depth. So, to me, I think what's going to really derail our season, and it, when I say derail, it's this fan expectation of we're going to run the table and we're going to mm-hmm. be, I don't know, what was it, like 9-3? Yeah. I didn't think it was going to happen. 
Um, because really you start looking in the future and thinking, what, where is, you know, where are we going to have this gap and our, our injuries or COVID going to hurt us? Um, but here's the other thing. And, and that's, what's I think the difference between the Wilson era and even Coker is that it's not just one player that's, that's derailing the season. Last season, the reason the season quote unquote was derailed was because Frank Harris went down at quarterback. Um, this season, it's just you have injuries throughout, um, you know, the team. So that's what's affecting the progress of the team, really. Uh, and so that's what we need to be careful of as we watch these watch these games. So uh, I don't know if there was anything else you thought about that. In terms yeah. of- well, I, I was thinking, you know, definitely if we had the, these amounts of injuries, this amount of injuries in the Wilson era, like the wheels would have come off. I mean, we would we would just be sitting here having a conversation right now about, well, you know, we're over, like it's done. But with Trailer and with what we've seen him be able to do, you know, at the the lower levels in the in the uh, depth chart, is he's been able to pull these you know guys up, and he's been able to you know get them ready quicker than we've anticipated, and you know while we're probably, you know, not going to win as many games as we'd hoped based on the way we played those first couple of games. Um, just because, again, we are really starting to to wear thin. Um, it's not going to be as bad as it would have been under Wilson or Coker. Um, you know, I think, again, the expectations, you know, went from being very low at the beginning of the season to being extremely high after, you know, the way that we played against UAB and BYU. Um, now they're going to kind of come back somewhere and level off in the middle. Um, but it really is a testament to, you know, what Trailer's been able to do in terms of the culture and the coaches that he's brought on. Yeah, you know, and I think I always tell you with, with Wilson, there's a lot of quitting there. There was always <laughs> just like when you talk about throwing in the towel, it just felt like, that's exactly what he would do. He'd be like, Frank Harris was my only plan. I don't know what else to do. Uh, let me see what else I can juggle up and, and I'll throw it out there and see if it works. Um, but you can't do that. You, you've got to you've got to prepare for the season and have a plan. And Trailer has a plan. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to install it until, you know, here in August. So it, it's, it's also going to wear on him. I think them and the coaching staff, uh, I should say Trailer and the coaching staff, it's going to wear on, on – on that group just because they're going to be looking for whatever options. You kind of see it now. He yeah. was, he was well, kind of hesitant. Post, so. In the post came interview when he was asked a question, he's like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. He had no answer. You, like, should, you just, I, I forgot exactly what he said. It was something like, you know, sometimes you just wish you could, you know, um, you, you, you could wish you could catch a break, you know, and I can't. Um, but, you know, I still feel more optimistic. Um, today under trailer than I think I would have if we were sitting here with Wilson as the coach. Good point. Um, and I think that's played into the other thing that we've continued to see with UTSA, which is penalties. You know, they've mentioned um, that, you know, we, it's tough enough to win a ball game against an opponent, but when you're having to play against yourself, um, it makes it even more tough. And, you know, we keep, trying to beat ourselves by, you know, having these penalties. And I think the frustrating thing is that um, 
it's not limited to one specific person or one specific position group. So it's not like you can, you know, just say, I need to take that one player and bench them or that one group and focus on it. But it's probably a result, again, of the fact that these guys are just tired. They don't have a bye week in sight and they've got a lot of injuries. So, um, you know, I'm not really sure what the coaches are going to do to get that cleaned up with as many different guys playing each game. Yeah, I mean, because you you don't have the same guys really being able to play, you get so much roster juggling that you get to the point where, again, we're seeing different guys out there um, and, and that the, their level of discipline, their level of just experience on the field. I mean, they might twitch at a point where they're just – they're nervous. And, and that's really – we forget that they're 18 to about 23, maybe 24-year-old guys. And if we look back at our time, you know, when we were 18 to 24, not that we're that much older, but um, uh, when we look back at, you know, that age, it was difficult being disciplined. I mean, it, you could see some people were disciplined, um, but a lot of other people were just like, I'm just going to shoot from the hip. Oh, I'll just kind of study tonight, but I won't study, you know, long term for, for all my exams. No, I'm just going to have to do this. Oh, I'll have to do that. Uh, and and you, you kind of see that. So when it comes to these penalties, we're, we're averaging, I, I was a, I was a nerd and went back and looked at the stats. Uh, we're averaging the most penalties per game. But I would say in in a game against a team like Army, what we talked about before resonates now. Those mistakes just become amplified uh, because they come at times when you really can't afford for that, uh, you know, for the field to be changed or, to, you know, drop some of the, first down, you know, we, we have to be able to continue and have that. Um, UTSA has never really been a clean team in that sort in that, in that sense of the word, I would say. You know, we've always had problems with penalties. We averaged for the longest time, really six, six to seven penalties a game. And those are just accepted ones. Those aren't ones that, you know, we're you know, that were yeah. declined or anything. So uh, I don't know that we have that history yet. Um, I mean, from a newer program, it's just that discipline's never really been set in. We're just trying to get guys in here and talent. So I think that'll come in time. I just don't see that that's going to be necessarily a, a change anytime uh, soon. All right. So let's um, hand out the offensive player of the game. Who do you have? <laughs> so uh, the reason I'm laughing is because I really thought I was going to go back to Maka <laughs> to my boy and, and, and give it to him again. Cause he really did have a good game. Uh, Though I, I think I will be transparent with, with our friends that are listening and also anybody else that ends up listening to this. Uh, um, I, I held my breath when, um, I, and I can't remember who it was that went down, um, but I thought it was Maka that had gone down. I, I can't remember if it was in the second oh, half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I held my breath. It was like, oh, gosh, like he's not the guy that we want going down. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was the left the left guard. Yeah, it was either uh, Kevin Davis or it might have been somebody else. I, it, I don't remember exactly who it was. I yeah, it wasn't Kevin Davis. I knew that he would come in and be the center because he has played center before. Um, but, yeah, I did hold my breath. So through all my jibber-jabbering now, I will say that Zachary Franklin wins it just because of his performance and his essentially single-game um, record-setting performance for UTSA. Though he did have a big drop. Um I believe it was on a third down and, you know, he caught it well in bounds and he was open and he just bobbled it and just essentially threw it out of bounds. 
so those are the types of things, again, when you're talking about discipline, you're talking about, you know, things that need to go your way. He needs to be able to make that catch and then be able to turn around and, and make that play. Um, you know, he really let Narcisse down. But other than that, I mean, I know I'm harping on that, you know, otherwise he had a good game. I mean, he was getting open and he was, you know, it, it looked like there was just a connection with, with Narcisse there that um, we hadn't really seen before, I would say, throughout UTSA history. All right. Who is your defensive player of the game? Yeah, I, I was thinking at first that I might go Antonio Parks just because of his improvement, but it had to be to me Ken Robinson because of the way that he just came on. And, you know, he, to me, he came out of nowhere and just had an incredible game. Um, you talked about, you know, a little bit of, hey, which, what's our next step? Who do we go to? Well, Tariq Woolen's down. We're like, I thought, oh, man, we're going to go into some of these cornerbacks that we don't know. And here comes Ken Robinson. He shows some really good speed. Um, he was able to shut off some tacklers at times. Um, he just he did a good job playing the cornerback position. And, again, like I said earlier, if you're looking at us having now three solid cornerbacks in the secondary, combine that with some defensive pressure, we're going to see more turnovers. Uh, and with that – I think we're also going to see teams trying to figure out how to exploit that UTSA defense. So, um, you know, Zakari, Ken, congrats, because um, the Tobes is giving you some uh, some props this week. Yeah, and Ken had 10 tackles, uh, and he's the one that forced that fumble. So, yeah, definitely great for somebody coming in, um, you know, for the first time into a game. Before we go, let's do a quick look back at our season so far. What are your thoughts on the season compared to the expectations going into the season? I think everybody had low expectations. Um, no spring practice. Um, you know, really hardly any contact between the coaching staff and the players that we're aware of at the very least. So, you know, you were thinking three wins maybe, maybe maybe four. Even so, I, I think you might have even thought, lower uh, win total because of the fact that Texas state was looking pretty good with um, their, uh, their team. They ran into COVID issues and had to scramble and yet look at the game, how it turned out. Um, I think we've exceeded expectations. Um, to me, I, I don't think this is a team that I would have thought would have played the way they have at this high of an energy against teams such as, you know, BYU and UAB. I mean, that I would say, Looking at the data you saw in the previous seasons, you would say, we're going to get blown out by UAB. Oh, we're going to get blown out by BYU. We didn't. And really the reason was because we played hard. Um, Army, again, yesterday, even though we started running out of that energy, we still didn't get, I would say, blown out like we did last year. Last year, we there was a fumble um, by one of the wide receivers. It may have been Cephas. And after that, we just went downhill. The defense gave up a couple of big runs, then a touchdown, and then we fell apart and game was over. Um, we just were competing much more than we have in the, in the past. And that, that to what you've said before, that's got to be a huge, a huge accomplishment for not only the team, but also uh, the coaching staff. Yeah. I, you know, going into the season, I was thinking we were going to be somewhere at three to four wins you know, after the first game, you know, I started to think, okay, well, maybe we can pull off some couple of upsets in the second half of the season. Um, you know, then we saw how well we played against BYU and it was kind of like, 
oh, we're going to run the table, you know, and I, I, I ate the cheese. I got sucked in. I thought we were going to like have a great win against army and, you know, but at the end of the day, um, you know, with everything that's going on with the injuries, um, particularly at the quarterback, um, position, I still think that we are in a great position as we go into conference play, um, to really do well and absolutely exceed my expectations from the beginning of the season. You know, I sort of feel like I've been on a bit of a roller coaster. Um, but, you know, overall, I think this year is going to, you know, definitely overall exceed expectations. Um, even if, you know, we do end up getting tired, we drop some of these games um, against conference opponents that we felt like we could have won. Um, you know, I just see the installation of that culture, the ability to get these guys to play at a higher level, um, you know, and to really believe and work as a team in a way that I didn't think would be possible given all of the set of circumstances, you know, that we had. Um, and hey, I told uh, both Barry Lenny and Coach Trailer that all they had to do this season for me to be a fan was to beat Texas State back um, at the National Signing Day event. So, you know, who might be the critic now because they did that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we talked to them back then, it was, it was just funny because we really didn't have expectations. I mean, we, we just figured they're going to come in and we really didn't know trailer. Um, and I think one of the things for me is always you look at a coaching hire and you can grade the coaching hire, but that coaching hire grade changes depending on the staff they hire. And I think what trailer was able to do with the staff has been terrific. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if Tyrone Nix was our third choice, maybe, and maybe even fourth choice, it just feels like that West Wing episode when he's talking to Edward James almost. And he's like, and Barlow tells him, he's like, you weren't the first choice, nor were you the second choice, but you're the right choice. I believe that he made the right choices in the yeah. coordinators. Um, I think you're seeing it on the field where you can, again, nitpick, like I said before, on play calling, but they are preparing these players and they're playing well. So um, there's there's a lot of great takeaways, I think. Um, and, you know, we just wish that the team was a little healthier, but that's not the story that's being written right now. The story is they're going to have to go through some adversity with injuries and potentially with COVID. Hopefully they do, and I hate to say this, but I hopefully do get some cancellation because I think the team really needs it just yeah. to have a week off from getting hits yeah, and actually delivering hits because uh, we have been quite physical ourselves. So um, we do need that break. But, um, you know, if you were to tell me this is where we would be at, uh, you know, with this schedule prior to, you know, in August, I would have said, nope. Yeah, that's you're, you're dreaming. <laughs> you are dreaming. Yeah. Um, but heading into conference play, you know, I think again, I think depending on how the injuries go, um, I again, I got excited too after the BYU and thought, okay, this seems a little bit better. Uh, but then as you start seeing some of the injuries and you start seeing how it's beginning to take a toll on the players, you realize, you know, that this we need to take a couple steps back and we need to make sure that these guys in a 12 game run is going to be terrible a lot a lot more terrible than we thought it was going to be and um let's stop trying to figure out how many more wins let's just try to figure out if they're 
um, they're going to be able to finish the season, honestly. Well, and, you know, having watched some of our conference um, USA opponents um, this season, there are several teams coming up on the schedule uh, that are very winnable games. You know, teams that I would have thought were going to be tougher um, at the beginning of the season, like Law Tech and Southern Miss and North Texas to that, you know, to some extent, um, you know, I think they are winnable games if we can continue to have the same injury, um, the same level of energy without injuries. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot of games that, you know, we could win, but we can't have, let our high expectations um, get the best of us because we may, you know, drop a few to some of these teams that, Frankly, even though they're not playing well, they've had some time off, either because they've had games that have been postponed um, or because they do have a bye week. Um, so they may be fresher than we are going into the games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think one of the things that's been positive about this crazy season is that I, we've actually been able to both watch those, those Conference USA games. And from what I've seen, there's really no team out there that, that looks like, especially I would say on our schedule, that looks unbeatable. Everybody, like you said, looks winnable, uh, and and it's not just saying, well, as long as we have Frank or as long as we have Josh Atkins, it's not about any of these one players. It really does feel as long as we have a, the team be able to show up, at least those players, they're going to play hard enough, tough enough, where they're going to give themselves a chance to win, whether they do or not. I, you know, yeah. that's going to be up to whatever you know when we watch those games, but. You know, again, to what you've mentioned before, looking back at the previous seasons, these are games where you would say, we're, they're going to blow us out. They're going to blow us out. Uh, we might have a chance over here. Um, oh, and we're going to knock down UTEP and Rice as wins. Um, I did see that like s that somebody with Rice had shown that they, they could win all their games, that they were favored to win all their games. It's like, well, by the time UTSA gets to them, I'm not sure who's going to be standing on the UTSA sideline. So right. it, it's... <laughs> There's a there's a reason why they might be able to win all those games, but um, yeah, I, I think it's a good outlook. It's uh, especially for the you know for next season as well. Um, I think there's a lot of really good talent here. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's as deep as we think it is, but if if Trailer continues the pattern he's going, and if honestly we can keep some of the coaching staff together, you know we do have something we can build on and at least maybe get into the conference. I would say winning the West Con Western Conference. Um, as or Western Division as the goal, um, that should really be our, our goal every year. Forget about bowls, forget about that. Win that Western Division, we'll get to the bowl game. But most importantly, it means that we're competing in Conference USA, and, and that's really should be what we're focusing on. Okay. All right. Well, next week the runners face uh, Louisiana Tech at home, and like I mentioned before, given what we've seen from Louisiana Tech, um, we should have a shot at winning the game, if not absolutely having a competitive game next week, provided that uh, we stay mentally and physically tough. So uh, thanks again for joining the Hail Married podcast. I'm Atos. I'm the Toes. And we'll see you next week.